Um, tonight we're going to continue in our Old Testament study of the Old Testament here in the book of Hosea. So if you will, turn over to the book of Hosea. We're going to be in chapter 3. Now chapter 3 um, is a very short, short chapter. Um, and so I assume that we're going to have a short study tonight. Yes, you mock my pain. Never do it again. Um, but the fact is that it, there's only five verses in this chapter. But five verses have never stopped me from having a short study either. But I do want to have communion tonight because it is a short study. And it just, you know, as I was praying about tonight, even last week, knowing where I was going to be at as far as chapter three and knowing that it was short and sweet, and, and I just thought, well, it'd be cool to have communion. The more I studied it, the more I read through it, it's like, oh, Lord, it just seems to, to be perfect. And so at the end, we're going to have some communion, if we have some time, some prayer and some worship for sure, and so that's where we will be. And so chapter 3 of Hosea, let's read from verse 1 to verse 5, the whole chapter. It says, uh, then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and one-half homer of homers of barley. And I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So, too, I will be towards you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or, or sacred uh, pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Father, I just ask that you would bless this time, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Hosea right now, Lord. I pray that I would do it some justice right now as, I, as we get into it. And that, God, you would just have your way in all that, that you want to do right now. Thank you for the worship and just leading us to this place. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember last week's study, Gomer, Hosea's wife, had, uh, had run off with one of her lovers. And it alluded to the fact that Gomer had not gotten away from her harlotry, from being a prostitute. It's almost as if when she gets married, and, and again, there's speculation whether she was already a prostitute and came, and, and I truly believe that she was, and, and because God says, hey, go get Gomer, who, or go get yourself a wife out of prostitution or out of harlotry. And so it, it seems like even during her time of marriage, she never gave that up. She always went after foreign gods or, 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 or other men in, in the spiritual sense, Israel was going and doing that constantly, committing spiritual immorality. 
And even after three kids that they had together, even that's a little questionable as we looked at last week, but be that as it may, even though all of that was happening, this was real life for Hosea. But yet, it was a picture of of the relationship between the children of Israel and the Lord. And and I think oftentimes we we read through the scriptures and we think like, wow, those are crazy stories. And and we we sometimes can't even relate to them because they're so far-fetched. And yet, I think oftentimes, even with the story like, like Hosea, even though we're not literally having to go marry a prostitute, and in, during your marriage she is still whoring around, if you will, even though we might not be doing that, our, our lives as Christians, <laughs> our eyes get turned to so many different directions, even within marriage. And, and to be able to focus it back, and it's almost like you, you get away and you, and you get drawn back. You get away and you get drawn back. And so, again, we look at, at Hosea's life and we're going, man, I'm so glad I'm not Hosea. I'm so glad God hasn't called me to go marry someone like that. But yet, in our struggles as Christians, we're always focusing on other things that draw us away from the Lord. And those are the battles that, again, sometimes we look at the Old Testament as like, how, how does that apply to me? How, how can this apply to me? And so how, how is it that, that we look at some of these things and we look at what Hosea's wife, Gomer, was doing? You're going, how could you keep on doing that? Knowing that God had brought this man into your life, this godly man, but you continue to do what your hearts desire. But in relationship with, with, with what was actually going on, and we see that several times here through the book of Hosea, that, that, that God says, but this is the way Israel is with me. And so in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover. As we learned last week, Hosea, Hosea had provided for Gomer during her time away. And I gave you this little picture because we saw it here, how the Lord says, even when my people were away, I was always providing for them. And, and I gave you this picture of Hosea as a husband, knowing that his wife was sleeping with another that he would go and knock on the door and say, hey, these things are for Gomer. Who are you? Well, I'm her husband, and you're sleeping with my wife. Here. This is what, and she's going, I have everything I need. But she, and then in verse 8 it says, but she didn't know that it was the Lord or that it was her husband that was providing for all along. And so I give you that scenario, and yet there came a time there came a time where, where we saw last week where Hosea finally, finally has to let her go. And he exposes her nakedness, if you will, because he stops providing for her. Now understand, he didn't divorce her. He didn't divorce her. Because oftentimes people look at this, and, and when she left, that he divorced He never divorced her. Even though she acted as if she had no husband. 
his heart was still towards her, even though she's doing what she was doing. And the Lord commanded Hosea here in this, in this chapter, go again and love a woman who is loved by a lover, by someone else. In other words, it's time to take action. I don't know what the time frame is here, how long it had been since he had lost, last saw her or even provided for her. But now he is literally being told to get up and go for her. And that word again infers that he had done this before at other times. But it could intimate, insinuate, or suggest like he used to do it before. He has let her go, but I want you to go again like you used to before to take care of her, to go after her again. Go after a woman or love a woman who is loved by a lover. So God directs Hosea to go back to his wife, even though she is committing adultery. Understand, he's not saying because she has committed adultery, because she is committing adultery. At this very moment, Hosea, as, as I'm calling you to go do something, she is actually doing the act still. It's a present tense. Go love her. Go bring her back. Yet he, he commanded her, commanded him to go to, to bring her back and to love her. As if she had done nothing wrong. Isn't that hard? When, when somebody hurts you, to be able to love them as if they have done nothing wrong to you is one of the hardest things you can do, but it is doable. And I say it is doable not in your own strength, but in the strength of who God is in our lives. Because he is asking him, go and love a woman who is loved by a lover, by a lover, she is committing adultery right now, but I need you to love her as if she's doing nothing wrong. Isn't that the grace of God? That, that when He has called us to do that to someone else, no matter how they've hurt you, to be able to look at them as if they have done nothing wrong to you. Because that is what, what God does with us. He looks at us day in and day out as if we've never sinned against Him. And sometimes you trip out and go, Lord, why do you continue to love me if I continue to do these things? Why do you continue to pour out your love and your grace? Because that's who our God is, and that's what we see in this chapter. He continues to love us even when we're not lovable. And then he asks you, hey, love someone who is not lovable in your life, who has hurt you and hurt you bad, who is actually doing it right now. <laughs> like Gomer was doing to Hosea. Even though, Go, even though Hosea had every right to divorce her because of what she's doing, 
according to Deuteronomy 24 and Matthew 19. Those two scriptures give us the permission to divorce because of adultery. Because adultery has broken the union of marriage. But it was by no means a command to divorce. And this is what I love about those portions of Scripture. That, that because of the hardness of the heart, God permitted divorce, but He says, but from the beginning it wasn't so. That's not what I had called people. I wanted one man, one woman for life. No matter what happened in their life, I wanted them to stay together. Because it's a, it was a representative of how God would love Israel and how Jesus would love the church. And Israel always went after foreign gods. And as the church, we always jack things up. And yet, he continues to love the bride. If God had commanded divorce in the case of adultery, commanded it, then he would be going against his command right here when he tells him, go, go and get her. He permitted divorce, like I said, because of the hardness of men's hearts. But from the beginning, it wasn't so. And so we have here an important principle of, 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 of love. You see, Hosea is directed to love. Even when this kind of love would have been one of the hardest kinds of love to show. Can you imagine, again, the scenario of, of him hearing the Lord and saying, go again, love a woman who is loved by her lover. She is with him right now committing adultery, and I need you to go and love her. The, the, the principle is here because oft, I think oftentimes we fill our, our minds and our hearts with this romantic, illusion about love. <laughs> and one of those kind of illusions of, of love, and I think it's permeated even within the church, because the world does this all the time, that love has little to do with our will. In other words, we, we just get raptured in this love. We just get caught up in this love. And man, oh man, let's just see where this love takes us. Right? But the principle and what the scriptures show us is another way. <laughs> that love largely has to do with a matter of our will. We choose to love. And when we direct ourselves to love someone, God tells us that we must love. Then we can and we have to love them. You see, you probably think, I can't. I can't do that. People have hurt me. I can't love them. I can't see past it. I can't love them as if they've never done anything wrong to me because they, they've hurt me so deep and so bad. And yet God says, but I want you to love them. And I want you to treat them as if nothing has ever happened. And this is what we're seeing in this scenario play out right here. Go to her. And bring her back. Love her again. You see, when he tells us that we must love, because it is his will, 
then it becomes part of our will. <laughs> we want His will to be our will. And so we can, and it does happen. I'm not saying that it's easy. Please understand that. <laughs> because when we have to look at someone, I mean, again, if, if somebody at the church loves you or, or has hurt you, you could sit on the other side of the church and you don't ever have to really talk to them, right? <laughs> but then you can run across to them and you know the, the hurt. And yet you have to look at them. And I'm not talking about being a hypocrite. It's like put on this fake face. And I've told people, man, if you can't love them, then fake it. And they're going, fake it? It's like, well, just fake them as if Jesus was loving them. And they go, oh, I know what you're saying. It's like, yeah, that we're, we're always told to do that. Love people the way Jesus loves people. Not the way you love people. You hate people. We hate people. That, that's within us. To, to hate and to hurt. You, you know, back in the Old Testament, and we see it in, in Matthew, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's like, dude, heck yes. They punch me in the eye, I punch them both. They take one tooth, I take them all. See, that, that's the normal thing. But he tells us as believers, no, that's not what I've called you to do. You love them because I told you to love them. Because I love them. And if you can't love them with your love, then you love them with my love. And so when we have that attitude, that's why we really, as Christians especially, can't use that phrase, well, we're just not in love anymore. So? <laughs> it isn't valid grounds, not as Christians. But grounds for a bad relationship or a bad marriage to, to, to divorce. Because that assumes that the love is something beyond or outside your will. And that's just not biblical. Because God wills it. And if God wills it, then He could use you to take care of this. And, it, and it, like I said, it's not easy, but it's, it's super hard. And that's just not in marriage, but it's in relationships. Because it's, it's these kinds of things that separate churches and, and friendships and families. Because he says this, as he's telling him, go do this really hard thing. He says, in, in still in verse 1, believe you me, we're going to get to communion. <laughs> Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. I want you to love them because this is the kind of love that the Lord has for Israel. Who, who look to other gods. Again, this is the God of the universe who loves Israel. They are His people. He has made a covenant with them, as I've shared with you, on Mount Sinai. They, 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 they look after other gods or look to other gods, and they love the raisin cakes. I don't know what the raisin cakes is. I kind of want to try them. But they're for pagans. No, I'm kidding. But in this situation, again, these obviously were things that were offered up to the pagan gods. And when they looked to other gods, they got into stuff that, that, that was palatable, if you will, but not good, because that God had not commanded that. You see, again, here, here he's telling him, I need you to, to go back, I'm commanding you, to go back to this still unfaithful wife. Because it, 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 it's the picture between me and my people. And it's almost like poor Hosea is, 
uh, he has this like living lesson <laughs> that he has to, has to go through it. The children of Israel were still steeped in spiritual idol- or adultery as they looked to other gods, and yet the Lord still loved Israel, even in the midst of that. And when we think of the greatness of God's love and the compassion towards us, then it should make us be more loving, compassionate, and forgiving towards others, not because of who you are or because of who they are, but because of who Christ is in you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I, I, I tell people when I'm, I'm talking, especially in marriage stuff, you know, when, when they're just going at it, it's like, well, you could live in verse 31 or you could choose to live in verse 32. Verse 31 is a lot easier to live in. To be bitter, wrathful, angry, clamorous, evil speaking, and malicious. That is easy. (laughs) It's not that hard. It's within every one of us to be those things. It's verse 32 that is super hard. To be kind to one another, to be tender hearted to be one another, to, to to forgive one another. Not because you're able to do that. You do it because why? Christ has forgiven you. So with that forgiveness, you forgive and you give. And that's what he's telling Hosea to do. This is what I need you to do. I need you to love her. Can you imagine the dialogue between between Hosea and the Lord going, Lord, I'm done with her. She's been whoring around this whole time. I don't even know if those kids are mine. <laughs> now, may, maybe he didn't go that far. <laughs> I would have. I would have been suspicious. But he tells him to go do this, and so this is what he does. Oh, my goodness. Hosea does what the Lord tells him to do. Huh. What a concept. Go, again, love a woman who is loved and committing and is committing adultery. And so verse 2 tells us, so I bought her for myself. For 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too, I will be towards you. The Lord didn't tell him, hey, I need you to go buy her. He just said, I need you to go love her. I I think it's fascinating that, that again, he didn't have to buy her. He didn't have to pay for her. But it's almost as if he ends up showing her love beyond, above and beyond what he was asked. To buy her from her lover. It's almost as if he's, he's buying her off her pimp, if you will. She has given herself over to someone else. They, are e- that they have e- either bought her for themselves or bought her to do other work. 
Because that word lover can be just a friend or a, another man. So he is, he is going to the pimp basically going, I want her. Good, it's going to cost you this much for tonight. No, nope, I want to buy her completely. I want to buy her off of you. And, and, and it's interesting because Gomer is still his wife. He could have said, bro, that's my wife. I don't need to buy her for anything because she belongs to me. He had every right to take her. Again, he had every right to divorce her. He had every right to have her stoned because she was committing adultery. But he goes above and beyond and gave what he really didn't have to give. But he did it. The 15 shekels of silver and the one and a half homers of, of barley <clears throat> probably added up to about 30 shekels of silver, which was the price of a slave, according to, to uh, Exodus. And so this payment would prove to her that she belonged to no other but to him. And he says, and you shall stay with me. I, I like the way the New Living Translation put verse 3. It says, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will have no sexual relations with another, not even with me. Perhaps part of the reasoning for them not coming together as husband and wife as soon as she was brought back what was for her to understand that this was more than just wanting her to have sex with her. It, it was far deeper. Because, that, because in, in a marriage relationship, even though you have the privilege of having sex with one another, it goes far beyond that. It, it, it's more emotional than that. It's more spiritual than that. And, and even though she's out whoring around and having sex wherever, he buys her back not to have sex with her, but to bring her back to say, listen, it goes deeper than any, any physical thing here. This is a spiritual thing between you and, you and I because you're my wife and I am your husband. As one commentator said, it's also quite possible that he wanted to make sure she wasn't pregnant at this time. But as I thought about that, I thought, well, that wouldn't have changed anything, even if she was pregnant. Because the Lord had told her, I need you to love her again. I want you to love her again. So he would have had to raise a child anyway. But maybe, perhaps, he's going, well, let's just see where you're at right now. <laughs> so there was a period of time that they didn't come together as husband and wife. Doesn't mean that he never did after a time, but for right now, he didn't. And then in verses 4, or five, four and 5, it says, For the children of Israel shall abide many days, without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. And another reason for Hosea and, and Home, or Gomer not coming together as husband and wife, it, it was because it illustrated a picture of the Lord and the nation of Israel that for a time 
and it would be a long time, that there would be no intimate relationship between the Lord and Israel. In the near future and also in the long term. In the, in the near future, what was going to happen after this is that northern kingdom, Israel, would be taken away captive. And then eventually they would intermingle with all these people and come back and being, being more of the Samaritans. But some of them would come back, and again, they would come back to their, their homeland eventually, but it would take tens and tens of years. As we know from from the southern kingdom, it was at least 70 years. It was over 100 years for the northern kingdom to really come back. And so in, in the near future, they would be taken away from it for a time. But in the long term, you see, hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus would show up and he would come unto his own and his own would not receive him. And yet he would still die and pay the price for them. Up until 70 AD, when Israel, the temple, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed, to this very day, there's still no intimacy between the nation of Israel and their God. But verse 5 says, Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. And David, their king, they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. And so in the short term, when they all came back, they kind of left all those idols behind. They kind of learned their lesson. Oh, they became spiritual pride, spiritually prideful. And we see that through in the days of Jesus where, where, the, where the religion became very, very dogmatic and very legalistic. But they wouldn't go back to the foreign gods like they used to. But in the long term, still in the future to come, Israel will one day return and seek the Lord. And they shall fear the Lord and His goodness in the latter days. Which still speaks of getting, getting towards the the, the, the uh, seven-year period and then leading into the millennium, millennial time. And so, again, the promise here that we see is that, again, even when we as Christians, because we, we apply these things to us, even when we or those in our lives go astray or hurt us or however the case is, and the Lord tells you, hey, I need you to get up and go love them again like you used to. <laughs> and someone's like, no, Lord, don't ask me to do that. But just like Hosea, he had to literally get up and do it. And sometimes you literally have to get up and say, Lord, I don't want to go in that direction, but I will do it. I don't want to take the first step, so I'll just fall in that direction. <laughs> and then you just lead me in that direction. And allow me to do what you want me to do because every part of me wants to say no, Lord. Every ounce of me wants to say, I don't want that relationship. They hurt me too much. And yet when the Lord tells us, this is what I need you to go, he never told us it would be easy. <laughs> he just said, hey, I need you to be obedient to me. 
And so, again, we get this picture, and we will see that throughout the book of Hosea, that, that there's judgment and then there's redemption. And, and we see that again, that after he had let her go and exposed her nakedness and took away everything from her so that she hit rock bottom, then in verse 3 he says, go again and love. Even in the midst of their sin, I need you to love them. And so I thought it was precious here because last week I had it on my heart. Wow, it's a short chapter. I want to do communion. And, and, and when we get to verse 2 where he says, and he bought her. And he didn't have to do that. You see, Jesus came unto his own and his own did not receive him. And yet he died for them. But he not only died for them. The, the Bible tells us that he died for the whole world. Not only, not, not only for those who were there at that time, but for us today. 2,000 years ago, he pays the price and he buys us back from sin and death. <laughs> and he overcomes sin by hanging on the cross and remaining on it. And then he gets buried. <laughs> and on the third day, he rises again to prove that he paid for our sin. And not only that, he had victory over death because he lived forevermore. And we have that opportunity to be able to remember the things that he has done, not just for the world, but for you, you specifically. He did that for you and me. And so, Thomas, if you want to come on up, and, and Donnie, <laughs> and we're going to have communion. I'm going to pass it out to you guys. And again, we're using these new fangdangle ones that have the... <laughs> The bread and people are like, oh, that thing tastes horrible. Well, I didn't tell you it was going to taste good. Um, it's not supposed to. But there's a little top layer. If you're not familiar with it, a little top layer, you open that and then the, the wafer will be there and then you open up the rest and then the, you'll get the juice. And so I'm going to pass it out to you guys. Or here, Jeremiah, why don't you do that, uh, that for me since you're young and you can handle it. Take...